I'm Sarah Lippman. Welcome to Torati Mecha Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. Today we will be learning Divrei Hayamim Chronicles, Volume 1, Chapter 27. Verse 1, Uvnei Yisrael lemisparam, the children of Israel, according to their numbers, Hamashar Sim es Hamelech, who served the king, Lechol Davar Hamach Lakos Haba'a Vehayotse Schodesh Bechodesh, regarding every matter of the divisions who come and go on a monthly rotation, Lechol Chadshe Hashana, every month of the year, Hamachalokes Haachas Esrim Va'arba'a Olif, each division was comprised of 24,000 people. We've learned about divisions of the Kohanim and Leviim of the tribe of Levi into 24 units that rotate weekly shifts twice a year. Now Divrei Hayamim is telling us about 12 divisions, one per month, of the Israelites, meaning everyone from a tribe other than the tribe of Levi. Verses 2 through 15 run us through the names of the heads of each of these monthly divisions. Each of the named heads has appeared previously in the lists of David's Giborim, his mighty warriors, back in those earlier days of David's reign, when they did all the valiant exploits. Remember, as much as they were mighty in physical strength, they were even mightier in spiritual strength and Torah learning. In charge of the first division for the first month, Yeshavam ben Zavdiel, in his division were 24,000 people. In charge of the division for the second month, Dodai Ha'achochi, and his divisional aide, Miklos the prince, in his division were 24,000 people. Verse 5. Sar HaTzava HaShlishi, the third general, or commander of the corps, Lechodesh HaShlishi, for the third month, Benayahu ben Yehoyada HaKohen Rosh, was Benayahu ben Yehoyada the Kohen, head over his division of 24,000. We learned about him in chapter 11, at the very beginning of David's reign. There he stood out in a chapter full of threes, and here we are, nearly at the end of David's life. And here is Benayahu ben Yehoyada, accompanied by, surrounded by, threes. The third general, the third month. Who Benayahu? He is the very same Benayahu. Gibor HaShaloshim ve'al HaShaloshim. The Gibor, the mighty warrior of thirty and over the thirty. And his divisional aide was Amizavad, his son. Just as in chapter 11, where David's Giborim, his mighty champions, were listed, the number three is spotlighted. Three is the message. I still don't know why, though. Where do we even begin? The local Targum in Devri Hayamim follows the Targum in the Book of Shmuel and interprets Shloshim, literally 30, as Shalishim, captains, and then translates that word into Aramaic as Gavraya, like the word Giborim, mighty warriors or champions. So, the idea of three is somehow connected to the idea of givura, strength. I spoke at some length about the significance of the numbers one, two, three, and four in Jewish thought in a women's initiative class on Mishlei chapter 30 of the first Nachyomi cycle. I won't repeat that class here, but I will recall that one meaning of the number three is stability. Think three legs on a stool or table, balance, bridging, resilience. Shlomo HaMelech writes in the fourth chapter of Koheles, V'hachut ha-mishulash lobim he-rayinatek, a triple thread or cord is not quickly broken. There is a strength to three, a resilience in which two can support a third who's weaker. One can bridge two who otherwise aren't aligned. There can be a synthesis or a meeting of opposites. Rashi there in Koheles, defining the strength of a triple cord, starts with a definition of fighting power, 
and then brings two other explanations, each of which defines the triple strength as strength in Torah, the very form of strength for which David's Giborim, his champions, are so admired. Why is Benayahu ben Yehoyada so tied to the number three, even more than other wise men of Israel? I still don't know. What tasks do these twelve divisions fulfill? What is their role? The Mefarish says that all of the Jewish nation was divided into twelve divisions, each division serving the king in various capacities for one month per year, during which month the king was responsible for their support. These divisions only included men with enough means to be able to afford leaving their homes and businesses for the whole month. During their duty month, they served the king in his military and any other royal works he might require. Now you might be asking, why is this chapter here? As a description of the wide reach of David's reign, it may have a place in Divrei Hayamim, but it certainly doesn't apparently have any connection to this part of Divrei Hayamim, which is all about David's planning for the Beis Hamikdash. What connection is there between the functions of the Davidic royal court and the functioning of the Beis Hamikdash? According to the Mefarish, the only connection here is the similarity of the monthly shifts of divisions on duty, which is sort of similar in design to the bi-monthly shifts of Kohanim and Leviim on duty in the temple. But the Talmud Yerushalmi in Masechus Tainus chapter 4 teaches Eluhein Hama'amados. These are the Ma'amados, the standing units. The use of the word Mishmaros, duty shifts, when talking about the Kohanim and the Leviim, is parallel to the use of the word ma'amados, standing units, when referring to the rest of the Jewish nation. The Yerushalmi goes on to say, a karban, an offering, cannot be brought if the person bringing it is not present for it. And therefore, when the early prophets, meaning David, and the prophets he worked with, organized the 24 rotating duty shifts of Kohanim and Leviim to serve in the Beis HaMikdash, they also organized the Yisraelim, the non-Levite Israelites, into 24 corresponding shifts, ma'amados, as well. In this way, over the course of half a year, every part of the nation would be represented in person at the Beis HaMikdash with people present to observe the public offering corresponding to their gift. David began his reign by creating the 12 monthly units of people to serve the royal house, but once he established the 24-week rotation with Kohanim and Leviim, he went and redivided the 12 divisions of the Jewish people into 24 so that they would all correspond. I'd like to share with you some extracts from the teaching of the Rambam, Maimonides, about these Ma'amados, from Klemikdash Vehaovdimbo, Chapter 6. Each week, the members of the Ma'amad of that week would gather together. Some would be in Jerusalem or close to it and enter the temple together with the Kohanim and the Leviim on watch that week. When the week of their Ma'amad arrived, those members of the Ma'amad who were in the farther places back in the hometowns and villages would gather in the synagogues of their own locale. The week of their Ma'amad was a sort of a yomtiv, a holiday, for the family division on duty, comparable to Chol Hamoed, those half-holidays that we have in the middle of Pesach and Sukkot. And what did those who gathered together, both in Jerusalem and the synagogues, do? They would fast by day, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of their special week. On every day of the week that was their ma'amad, they would recite four prayer services. The morning prayer service, the afternoon service, a ne'ilah service, like the one we have on Yom Kippur, and another musaf, additional service, between the morning and afternoon services. That was additional and unique to them. 
Within the Ma'amad, the Kohanim blessed the people three times, in the morning service, in the additional Musaf service, and in the Ne'ilah service. They would have three men read from the Torah twice a day during the Ma'amad, in the morning service and in the Musaf service. In the afternoon service, they did not read from the Torah, but they would recite the passages by heart, the way one might recite Shema. They did not gather for an extra afternoon service on Erev Shabbos Friday, for they were busy preparing for Shabbos. It is this gathering together for special prayers and supplication and petitioning God and reading the Torah, it is this which is called the Ma'amad, the standing watch. In preparing this class, I came across some fascinating information about the Ma'amados, the standing divisions of the Israelites, and the parallel Mishmaros of Kohanim and Levium. As recently as 150 years ago, at least some Yemenite Kohanim still knew which family Mishmaros they belonged to, and therefore the duty shift each week was announced on Shabbos in the Beit Knesset. There are a couple of partial lists of Mishmaros or Ma'amados that have been discovered over the years. One of them in an ancient synagogue in Caesarea, dating to the time of the Mishnah. Another was found in an ancient synagogue in Ashkelon. There's also a large stone tablet that was found in reuse in a mosque in Yemen that has carved into it the names of 10 of the 24 divisions and dates to about the 4th century before the Common Era. The Talmud Yerushalmi in Shkalim chapter 5 mentions that bottles of wine were sealed and marked with the date expressed in terms of the weekly Mishmar, the duty shift. So it does seem that the duty shifts, the Mishmaros, were used as a practical dating system as well. In the Cairo Geniza, a set of Mishnah were found, divided into 24 parts meant to be learned one per week, and each one named with the name of a Mishmar of Kahuna, a duty unit of the Kohanim, for example, Chapter 9, Pesachia. This kind of learning cycle for Mishnah is described in the tour as a custom among French and Spanish Jews. There is a fragmented reference to the Mishmaros and Ma'amados that remains in our daily prayer service that we say before the day's song, the Shir Shal Yom, at the end of Shacharis, the morning service. Each chapter of Tehillim is introduced with Hayom Yom Rishon B'Shabbos. Today is the first day of the Shabbos week. Shabo Hayu HaLeviyam Omrim Beves HaMikdash, on which day the Leviyam would sing the following psalm in the Holy Temple. Well, originally that introductory line would have also included the name of the Mishmar of Kohanim for the week as well. It's kind of mind-boggling and really exciting to try and wrap my head around the idea that everyone's year had a rhythm to it that was a cycle beyond what I'm familiar with. I'm accustomed to living life with a rhythm of seasons, a rhythm of a school year, a rhythm of the Jewish holidays as they cycle across the months. But this concept where I would have a week twice a year, where I kind of set all my mundane activities aside, it isn't a regular yontif, it's a personal, a family, a neighborhood yontif. And all we do is focus on our tefillah and tune ourselves into the fact that it's our offerings that are at this very moment being brought in the Beis HaMikdash. That's an exciting and new way to think about life. Verses 16 through 22 provide a list of the heads of governors of each tribe of Israel. Well, almost each tribe. The tribes of God and Asher are missing from this list. Das Sofrim suggests from the fact that the head of God's neighboring tribe, Reuven, is given a higher title than the others, Nagid. That may represent that Reuven governed both tribes jointly. That might explain why God doesn't appear independently. How about Asher? No clue. Verse 23. And David did not count those twenty years and under. Ki Amar Hashem, 
because God had said, Laharbos es Yisrael hashamayim, to make Israel as many as the stars in the heavens. The stars in the heavens? Where did that come from? And why is it here? We're all familiar with the idea that the Torah compares the Jewish people to stars in a number of places, often in the context of promising the forefathers that their children will be great and numerous. We're first introduced to the stars on the fourth day of creation. In the very first chapter of Bereshus, we read, Vayomer Elohim, and God said, Yehime Oros, let there be a system of light bearers in the vault of the sky to separate day from night, and they shall serve also as signs and for festive seasons and for cycles of days and of years. Let them become light bearers in the vault of the sky to shine upon the earth. And it was so. The Malbim, in his commentary on Bereshus 15, explains God telling Avraham that his children will be like stars. God is directing the processes of nature via the system of the network of stars. Each star has a role it performs that's unique to it, and God has arranged and organized the stars in constant orbits in order that they will direct the natural process of things by day and by night. So too, God has created a second network or system, organized by God, directed by his hashkacha, his providence. This is the core of his misharsim, his servants, makdishav, and those who sanctify God's name, lemata, down below. In other words, the children of Avraham Avinu are arranged and directed like the stars, each one assigned to his unique role, to his guard duty, to direct the natural process of things. And, continues Malbim, just as Yosef saw in his dream that the stars and the sun and the moon would bow to him, the infrastructure of the heavenly bodies is influenced and directed by the structure of the Jewish nation down below. The upper network of stars bows to the lower one, not vice versa. Whoa. So, 12 constellations of stars rotating, orbiting, in their paths, mapping out the galaxies in the sky, and providing reference points for life on Earth below. And we have 12 constellations of the Jewish people, each one set in their place, each one with a role to play, mapping out life on Earth below, and providing reference points for the forces in the heavens. The Tzivos Hashemayim, the heavenly hosts, correspond to Tzivos Hashem below, the loyal ranks of the Jewish people. Rav Hirsch, in his commentary on chapter 15 of Bracious, points out, God says to Avraham, Habetna hashamayma, look please heavenward, usfar hakochavim imtuchalisparosam, and count the stars if you're able to count them. Avraham knew how numerous the stars were, or at least how countless they were to the human eye. Taking Avraham out to view the stars directly is meant to illustrate an idea to Avraham in a deeper way than words alone convey. Look to the heavens. Look and see an order that is entirely different than how we see it on earth. From our perspective on earth, we don't see things created directly by God. Everything we see on earth is a product of something else that was created previously. It's not the direct works of God's hands, but developed from other creations caused by natural factors. The beautiful trees that we see are the descendants of the original trees created. The wonders of the animal world 
are the descendants of the animals originally created in the seven days of creation. When we look at the work of creation, the sun, the moon, the stars, there's a different view of the world. We are seeing the works directly created by God. So if you want to see a form of existence that lives on a higher plane, directly with God, without any intermediary, then gaze at the stars. Raise your eyes heavenward and behold there a world created directly by God. Can you count the stars? These stars are the product of God's original word, Yehi, let there be. Ko zarecha, so shall your seed be. This is what your people will be like, the work of God's direct hands, not the result of natural conditions, against all natural calculations, against all odds, a second creation, yesh me'ayin. The Jewish people are a force of nature created, something from nothing. It is from the childless Avraham and Sarah that the Jewish nation is born. The sight of the stars illustrates Israel's existence. It depends directly on the utterance of God's word. Perhaps in all of this, we can gain an appreciation for the words of our sages in the Gemara in Megillah, page 31b. Were it not for the Ma'amados, the standing shifts of the Jewish people, the heavens and earth would not continue to stand. And this is why those special Torah readings for the Ma'amados were from the beginning of Bereshus, Genesis, the creation chapter. And finally, verses 25 through 34 provide a list of the various functionaries of David's court. Here we read of those who were in charge of the king's treasuries, in charge of the stores in the fields, the cities, the villages, and towers, in charge of those who worked the fields farming, in charge of the vineyards, in charge of the outpost of the vineyards for the storage of wine, in charge of the olive groves and the sycamores in the valley, in charge of the oil stores, in charge of the cattle grazing in the plains, in charge of the cattle in the valley, in charge of the herds of camels, in charge of the herds of donkeys. All of these were the officials in charge of the property belonging to King David. Yehonasan, David's uncle, was a counselor and advisor, a wise and learned man. And Yechiel, the son of Chachmoni, was with the king's sons. Achitophel was the king's advisor. And Hushai the Arki was the king's friend. Achitophel was succeeded by Yehoyada, the son of Benayahu, and Evyasar. Vesar Tseva Lamelech, Yoav. And the commander of the king's army was Yoav. We asked earlier about the significance of the Ma'amados of the Israelites, the monthly or bi-monthly rotations of spiritual duty. I'd like to suggest that this may be why Ezra added chapter 27 to this section of Divrei Hayamim. Ezra has maintained his focus on the overall lesson. How did we get to a Geula moment, and how could we do it again? And one answer is, in order to reach Geula, redemption, we need to desperately want back everything that comes with it. The duty to serve in the Beis HaMikdash, the duty of national service in the king's ranks, the duty to serve Hashem wholeheartedly. Ezra paints for us a living, breathing picture of what life could look like across chapters 22 through 29, and most especially in chapter 27. Malchus Beis David, the rule of the house of David, Malchus Shamayim, the rule of the kingdom of heaven, and service in the Beis HaMikdash. These are powerful, beautiful, awesome, wondrous set. They come together. They're an entire life. Remember, in David's kingdom, 
There's no dividing line between the wise scholar and the mighty warrior. All a life can be, must be elevated. We learn that from the Giborim in chapter 11, and they come back to tell it to us again here. We are a mamleches kohanim, a kingdom of kohanim. Whatever our avoda, whatever role in which we serve God, we do it 100%. Kohanim and Leviim, 100% in the Beis HaMikdash, and the other tribes in their Derech Eretz also. In establishing the Mishmaros and Ma'amados, the rotation of in-person representation of all parts of society in the Beis HaMikdash, connecting every family in every city, every village, to their avoda, their service of God, David created a society revolving around spirituality, living orbits with God at the center of each life. Oh, and one more thing. The Midrash Tanchuma in Parshas Vayelech says, In the book of Divrei Hayamim, David's name is always written Malay, full, with a yud. The numerical value of his name, Dalit 4, Vav 6, Yud 10, and another Dalit 4, is 24 representing the 24 Mishmaros that David established. Let's close with the words of a short prayer found in the Cairo Geniza, dated to about 1,100 years ago. HaRachaman Yashiv Es HaMishmaros Limkoma Mehera Be'amenu Amen. May the All-Merciful One return the Mishmaros to their place speedily in our days. Amen. Thank you for learning together with me, Le'iloi Nishmas Rose Foreman, Rachel Rachel Bas Arieleib, and Rachel Zeitlin.